Hey, everybody. Hey. Happy Easter. Let's open our Bibles, uh, John chapter 20. We're going to look at the first uh, nine verses there. John chapter 20. We, uh, most of you are already, you know, aware of this, but our dear sister Barbara went home to be with Jesus on Wednesday. And uh, then Friday we, we were able to uh, have a burial service at a Veterans Memorial Cemetery. And uh, she's uh, there, Bill's buried there as well, her husband. And we had a, such a sweet time. It was just incredible. Kind of got the family all gathered around in a circle around, around the the site there and, uh, you know, went around the circle and everybody got to share a little bit. It was just, it was beautiful, really beautiful. So, but we move on, right? We, we have to carry on, you know. Uh, there was a quote that uh, a friend of mine from England said, um, you know, it's a, it's a real privilege to walk with someone to the gates of heaven, but it's really hard coming back. And that's kind of the way it is. You know, we, we, we walk each other to the gates of heaven, but it's hard when we got to stay behind until, until it's our turn. One day it's going to be our turn, though. I look forward to that. Last Sunday we talked about Jesus' death and his burial, but Sunday's coming, right? Sunday's coming. Jesus was, he was bruised, he was wounded, he was flogged, he was crucified for our transgressions, for our sins. And his back, his head, his face, his hands, his feet, his side, you know, all the things that happened to him were so that you and I could be healed, so that you and I could be forgiven, so that you and I could be saved, so that we could have some kind of hope beyond this life. It's, it's what Jesus did for us. We, we talked about this uh, on Good Friday. Uh, can anybody pronounce that word correctly? There you go, Matt. It's Matt, right? To tell us that. By the way, Matt is uh, serving in our, for our country, and he's here in Newport for some training, and he's a submariner. Submariner. I don't pronounce that right. And, but he can pronounce to tell us thy. And what I like about that is, is there's something in that, and it helps me to remember to tell. There's something to tell. To tell us thy, to tell people that what Jesus said was it is finished, that he died on that cross and he, he covered our sin. He, he died for us and it's, it's completed. It's paid in full. They would write that across the bill. So Jesus was buried uh, after being crucified in a garden tomb. He was wrapped in spices. But Sunday was coming, and now Sunday is here. That's why we're here today. Because Sunday's here, and that's why we're here some 2,000 years later, because Sunday came. And Jesus was, you know, risen from the dead. The angel of the Lord spoke in Matthew 26, said, He is not here. He has risen just as he said. He promised that. He said that. Come and see the place where he lay. What, what I want uh, to emphasize today in, in our study is that Jesus had to rise from the dead. 
He had to. Just as he said. Let's look at verse 9. We're going to start in verse 9 and we'll go back to verse 1. But look at verse 9, chapter 20. It says, They still did not understand from the Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Some translations say must. He had to rise from the dead. You see, that word... uh, If you look up that word in your blue letter Bible, you find out it it means necessity. It's absolutely necessary. He must. You see, without the resurrection, he was no different than anybody else. He could be crucified. He could do all kinds of stuff and say all kinds of things. But the resurrection is what sets him apart from every other. You see, Paul talked a lot about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the resurrection chapter. He said, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. You're wasting your time. You might as well go home. If if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're not going to be gathering here together today. What, to talk about somebody who died 2,000 years ago? A lot of people died 2,000 years ago, but, but see, Jesus is set apart then those who are also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If, all, if in Christ we have hope, let's start that again. <laughs> if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. We're, we're, you know, we're talking about things that, that didn't happen. We're talking about things that you know, never really occurred. But Paul also said in 1 Corinthians 15 that death was the last enemy to be destroyed, the last enemy to be defeated. And he says in verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He has indeed been, ra- been raised from the dead. And that's what that you and I are talking about. He says that, they were the, that Jesus was the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And in other words, he was the beginning. And, and you and I are followers now. When we die, we, we have life. We have life, you see, because of what Jesus Christ did. But now let's back up, though. Let's back up a little bit to verse 1. Early on the first day of the week... We, we looked all at, at verse chapter 20 about Jesus being crucified and buried. But early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. This woman, Mary Magdalene, she had been delivered from, from demons by Jesus. She had been given glorious freedom by the Son of God. And that's what Jesus does. He gives us that freedom. And, and, and she went there and she saw this stone had been removed from the entrance. And, you know, that, that's what they would do. And that's what they did in Jesus' case. They would, they would take a stone, a huge round stone. They would roll it in front of the tomb. In his case, you know, they posted guards there to make sure that he stayed in that tomb because he had been saying that he was going to rise from the dead. They posted guards there. They sealed the tomb. But now she goes there and other women went with her. And she goes there and the stone is moved. The stone is rolled away. And, and you know, it, it wasn't a small stone. If you can imagine a stone like that, it's not like, you know, one person can move. It takes many people to move a stone like that. 
And she enters the tomb, but Jesus wasn't there. And the angel of the Lord that was there spoke to her and said, He's not here, He's risen. Now, the, one of the other gospel tells, uh, gospels tell us that she was be- bewildered and she was confused, she was afraid. Now, the glorious thing, we'll look at this another time, though, is that she was the first one that Jesus actually showed himself personally in the live and in the flesh to. But at this point in time, she hears from this angel and, and she runs to the disciples. Now we'll see in, in this gospel. And, but it says there that she didn't talk about what she had heard there. Verse 2, it says, So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Notice she came running to Simon Peter. Despite, despite his denials, he's still there. He's still looked up to. So she comes to Simon Peter and the other disciple, of course, the one Jesus loved. Just so you know, John wants us to know that. Just so you know. And she said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. They've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. Verse 3, so Peter and the other disciple, they started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first, just so you know. But can you imagine the intensity of what's going on here? Mary is running. Peter and John, the disciple, are running. There's like, what is going on there? This is like the intensity, the drama of what's going on here is is just building. And, And what is going on here? What are you talking about? The tomb is empty. What do you mean? Verse 5, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. This is John now. He, he, he bent over and he looked in, but he didn't go in. So he, he tells us some of the other things, but, but he's also honest. He says, listen, I looked in, but I didn't go in. I wonder, why didn't he, why didn't he go in? At that point in time, why didn't he go in? Verse 6, then Simon Peter, who was behind him, just so you know, he arrived and he went into the tomb and he saw the strips of linen lying there. Peter got there and, and Peter was like that. You know, there's different personalities. I think Peter was very different, right, from John. But Peter gets there and said, man, I'm going in. It's just like no hesitation whatsoever, just jumps on it. And, and, and we're all different, I think. If we all looked the same and dressed the same and acted the same and talked the same, man, how boring would that be? I mean, Kelly, for example. There's nobody like Kelly on the whole earth, right? He's amazing. There's nobody like him. And and each one of us is like that. We're all different and we're all made differently. And and we see the different personalities. And, And now what is going on here? Mary is affected by this totally. Peter is affected by it. John is affected by it. When he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head, and the cloth was folded up by itself separate from the linen. 
That's kind of interesting, isn't it? These things were, they were, they were all folded up kind of nice and neat, right? And, and uh, <clears throat> one of the theories that was put forth at the time was that the grave was, you know, was broken into and robbers came and stole the body and took it away. But if that's the case, can you imagine the grave robbers, they're going to fold this all up nice and neat and put it down in a nice little pile and spread it all out for everybody to see. It doesn't even make any sense. Why would they do that? I know some of you may be wondering about the, this cloth here. Well, is that, the, is that the Shroud of Turin? Any of you, were, were you thinking about that? Any of you? One. The Shroud of Turin, there's a cloth that's in the city of Turin in Italy, and they and they uh, believe that it is the, this cloth that was on the face of Jesus. Now, is it really the, you know, the shroud, is the shroud of Turin really the cloth? And, and there's a lot of debate about it. They've do, you know, done a lot of you know, scientific tests on it and all that. A lot of uh, the evidence points to the fact that it probably isn't, but it could be something like that. It, you know, there are signs of it that, that look like it was around a person who was crucified. But was it or not, you know, we don't know for sure. But the fact of the matter is something happened there, and, and they have gone into the tomb now, and there, there's no body in there. Jesus is not there. As the angel said. Verse 8, finally. And he's talking about himself now. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, just so you know, he also went inside, just so you know. Yeah, I was a little hesitant maybe, but, you know, I got there. I got around to it. I, got, I made it. I went inside. Finally. There's something in that. There's a message in there, isn't it? Finally, he went in and looked. You know, the, there's a verse in the Psalms that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There, there's a point where we need to like open up and, and examine the evidence and see, like, is this true? There are people who, you know, they finally get to the place where they're going to look at the evidence. They're going to look at what, uh, you know, what we have in terms of evidence. And there are people that have done that, brilliant people, lawyers and, and people, you know, of, of intellect looked at the evidence and discovered that it is true. And, and, you know, the evidence points to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Finally, he went in and the body was gone. This is an eyewitness account. This is somebody who is there, who's writing these words down for us. And he says, I went in and there was no body in there. What does it say in verse, the last part of verse 8? He saw what? And he believed. He saw and he believed. He saw the evidence and he believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, did he have a perfect understanding? No, not yet. You know what? I think we're all kind of in a progression. We're all kind of in a, in a we're, you know, the Lord's taking us step by step. You know, I'm, I'm learning things now that I, that I wasn't prepared to learn, you know, five years ago or 20 years ago or whatever. The Lord is, is working on us. And it's a, it's a progressive thing, I should say, that, that you and I are, you know, the Lord has started a good work in us. 
And he's going to do what it takes to bring us there. But, Pete, but John went in, it says he, he, he looked in, he saw, and he believed. He, he saw the evidence, that, the evidence that he had, and he believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. Later, he would certainly see Jesus physically. I remember uh, many, many years ago, you know, my, my oldest brother became a believer and, 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 and he was frustrated because he says, I don't like understand that. I said, you know, don't worry about it. You just hold on to what you do understand. And, and the Lord will show you these things as you get to that place. Verse 9, one more time. It says, they still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. You see, all these things kind of fit together. We, we see they went there physically. They saw there's the Jesus, the Jesus wasn't there. The tomb is empty. But, but we also, now you and I have the advantage looking at it from a different viewpoint. We have this eyewitness account and we have all the scriptures that, that concern this. They believed according to what they saw at the, this point, but the truth is that they would understand the scriptures about him later on. In John chapter 2, it says, After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. You see, first they saw the tomb empty, and then, and then it all began to like fit together for them. They understand that, that's what he said. That's what the scriptures in the Old Testament prophesied in Psalm 22 and Psalm 16 and Isaiah chapter 53 about the death and the resurrection of Jesus, you see. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus is speaking to some disciples. He says, he says, how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, the Old Testament prophets. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And then he said, and then it says this, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. See, he opened their minds. He helped them to understand. And, and isn't that what the Holy Spirit does for us? Help us to understand what the Bible says. And these scriptures, these prophecies. Peter says later in Acts chapter 2, he's preaching to a crowd of people. He says, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, with a, of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to hold him. For death to keep its hold on him. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. This is, the, this is Jesus, you see. What sets him apart? You see, Jesus had to rise from the dead, you know, or we have no hope whatsoever, as Paul 
said in 1 Corinthians 15. There's a few reasons, though, as we kind of wrap this up, as we sum this up, of why he had to rise from the dead. Why is it such a necessity? Number one, it it kind of sealed up his work. You see, when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, it's all completed, he being in the you know, being God the Son, he, he, he looked out over the whole of history from beginning to end. He could see the resurrection already. To put a seal to his work, he had to rise from the dead. Secondly, to prove who he was, Romans chapter 1 says that he was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. You see, that power, and Chris talked about it from the book of Ephesians as well, that power, he was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. There's no other like him. And and thirdly, to conquer sin and to conquer death, you see, he died to pay the price for our sin, and he rose from the dead to conquer death, you see. But both had to happen. Romans chapter 4 says he was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. They both had to to come together, you see. We don't just talk about Jesus dying on the cross, though that is hugely important, but without the resurrection, we, we really have nothing to talk about. Let me show you why I say that as we read a quote from gotquestions.org. It's a good website if you have questions. Go to gotquestions.org. It's really good. Jesus' resurrection from the dead was the crowning achievement that forever separates him from any other religious leader who has ever been or will ever live. No other religious figure in history has ever prophesied his own death and resurrection and then accomplished it. Many people were crucified for their crimes. However, the bodies of those other people are still in their graves. Jesus' tomb is empty. A dead Savior cannot save. But we have a living Savior. I like that. A dead Savior cannot save. But we have a living Savior Jesus rose from the dead. And Paul presents that event as the only thing that gives us hope in this life. Jesus had to rise from the dead. We, we, have, we have no hope apart from that. Maybe you're still wondering about the resurrection. Is it true? Did it really happen? Look at the evidence. Look at the proof. Read the scriptures. Take a hard look at Jesus and what he proclaimed and and what he said was going to happen. Take a look at the eyewitness accounts. It was Friday, but Sunday's here. And Jesus is not in that tomb anymore. Jesus, he rose from the dead. He he came and showed himself to all these eyewitnesses and, and And he then ascended into heaven and he sits now at the right hand of the throne of God. He's not in that tomb anymore. He's risen. He's risen indeed. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for 
sending your son, your only son, your only begotten son, that he would take the form of human flesh, that he might die in our place. But we know, Lord Jesus, that he didn't stay in that tomb. He was buried, but he didn't stay in there. He rose from the dead and he conquered death. And so that makes him mighty to save. He's, we don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a risen, living Savior. We call him Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray, I pray as uh, Chris sang about, that that resurrection power would affect our lives. We're walking, we're, we're walking amongst a whole bunch of dead people, but we've been made alive through the, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, and, and we can tell them about that. We can be a light. As we talked uh, a few weeks ago, we're missionaries. We pray that you give us boldness, Lord, to, to tell others about the, the glorious love, the glorious power in Jesus Christ, our Savior. And perhaps if there's anyone who's listening and, and, and you have never opened your heart, you've never looked about, at this, you've never thought about this, you've never given your life to Jesus, today's a good day. He died for you. He loves you. He, he rose from the dead. He's not in that tomb. And, and all you need to do is pray and ask him. Please come in and save me. Rescue me. In Jesus' name.